You're about to listen to Tanya's take, Race, Culture, and the Culture of Race. Hey everyone, it's Tanya from Tanya's Take. Now, I know that I said that I was going to be producing new episodes once a month, and that is true, but that does not mean that I can't produce more episodes throughout the month. And I just have some stories I needed to tell, and so I'm hopping on the mic. I'm calling it Tanya's Hot Takes. You like that? Get it? Because Tanya's Take, Tanya's hot takes. Anyway, um, I have some things that have happened to me recently that I want to share with you because they give you a window into the experience of being a black woman trying to navigate the world. And they're just kind of wild stories. So I'm going to jump in. Microaggressions come in all shapes and sizes. And in this case, the story I'm going to tell you today, it came in the form of a fully bosomed old white lady in a swimsuit. Okay, so a little context. I have been swimming for about nine months now, and I love it so much. I swim almost every day. I dream about swimming. I like, I'll be laying in bed and I'm practicing strokes before I fall asleep. I'm in love. And sometimes to mix things up, I take an aqua zumba class. And that's exactly what I did yesterday at the YMCA. Got in the pool with my floaty, and as I swam to my spot, an old white lady, probably about 70, who wears a very obvious brown wig, even in the pool, floats up to me. Now, I've seen her there before. She attends regularly. And last week, she commented on how flexible I was. because I leave class a little early to beat the shower rush, and I always stretch at the side of the pool. And I happened to be in her general area while I was stretching. So she leaned in and said it. She said, oh, you're so flexible. I'm jealous. Okay. So this round, she floats up to me and she says, you have the most beautiful shape. I want to strangle you. And she gestures with her hands like the universal sign for strangle. And I laugh and I go, well, thank you, except for the strangle part. And we both laugh and then class begins. So I have to uh, now explain the arc of most interactions I have with white women who are strangers. So when a white woman speaks to me in public and she's a stranger, in particular, in this case, say like in the locker room at the Y, I simply don't know. I can't know how quickly an interaction might slip into a microaggression. Things can start out all pleasant and nice and then I feel a sting and I got stung with a microaggression and it happens so fast and there isn't always warning and all I can do is kick myself for getting lured in. So after um, this old woman said I had a beautiful shape, number one, I was caught up in the compliment and trying to take it in because I never believe anyone when they say I have a nice physique. That's a whole other story. But yeah, you know, I also thought to myself, hey, that was a microaggression-free interaction. So I thought, right? I was like, how about that? So I was sort of swept up in these two things, the seeming compliment and the feeling I thought that it wasn't a microaggression because it wasn't more obvious than they usually are. So I do, do the class. 
I'm still thinking about how I supposedly didn't experience a microaggression. I even made a video about it and posted it on Instagram for exactly two seconds because by the grace of God, my sister, Gina, who is a frequent guest on the podcast, was the first to see the Instagram post and immediately DM'd me with, strangling is a microaggression. And I replied, no, ah, fuck, I'll take it down. And I deleted the post because I realized I was wrong. It was not a microaggression-free interaction. And by posting this video saying that it was, I didn't want to give the impression that it's okay to walk up to a perfect stranger and tell them you want to strangle them because you like their shape. Like, that's not okay, okay? It's violent. And in our interaction, it summons up the very troubled history between black women and white women all the way back to slavery. But I was so, I was distracted by the non-compliment disguised as a compliment. And by the way, this comment wasn't about my shape. It was about my body and the fact that I was in that pool and the fact that anytime I'm near that woman, and even when I'm not, because remember this time she floated over to me, she feels compelled to make a comment about my body, my black body, which she seems to be strangely aware of. And so this microaggression comes my way. And as a black woman, I deal with microaggressions constantly. And as much as I would like it, I don't always have the perfect comeback. And sometimes I miss it and I laugh. And it isn't till later that I realize that what the person said was totally inappropriate. So I often explain that a microaggression is an attempt for a person who falls in the dominant narrative, say like a white man, a white woman, heterosexual, cisgender individual, etc., to reestablish a, a power dynamic that they feel has been lost, right? They usually feel like they're in power for some reason that gets threatened, and then, lo and behold, a microaggression comes out of their mouths. Now, I don't know what that woman thinks she is losing when I get in that pool for class, but she is doing whatever she can to let me know that she doesn't really want my body in that space. What she said wasn't friendly. It wasn't nice. It was weird. And if she were a man, I'd consider it harassment, right? Because, you know, when she said it, I did have to do a little math to get to the laughing part right? And before I said, thank you. And I mean, I did have to put aside the fact that she was floating in front of me, clasping her hands around my imaginary neck. The why and the pool have become my safe place. And still I feel targeted sometimes just when I'm trying to get dressed or do my laps or take a damn class. I don't do small talk in the locker room because I cannot protect myself. And whatever community people develop in those collectives, I avoid because I simply can't trust that I'll be safe. Look, if you are a white woman listening to this and you feel compelled to speak to a black woman who is minding her own business, check your bias before you say a word. Check in with yourself and, and make sure you don't feel threatened or like you've lost some kind of power. That's all I'll say. 
And if you are a black or brown or LGBTQIA person, forgive yourself in the moment you let a comment slide. And my hope is that you have people around you like my sister who remind you who you are and how you deserve to be treated. Oh, that felt good to get off my chest. Uh, my daughter's high school choir sang We Shall Overcome recently. The choir itself is fairly diverse. She goes to a diverse high school. Uh, and the group of students were taught by a guest artist, a gospel section. So he cast a white student as a soloist. And as you know, We Shall Overcome is an African-American spiritual turned protest song, very much identified with Black people and the civil rights movement. And he chose a white student out of a diverse chorus to sing the solo. Uh, it was performed and many people in the audience, including me, had issue with it. And people wrote in complaints, uh, asked for something like this to never happen again. Cut to... Over the weekend, my daughter tells me the choir is visiting one of the grade schools and they will be performing a song as the choir. And she tells me that they are going to sing We Shall Overcome Again. And I ask, with a different soloist? And she says, no. And I said, hell no. And I wrote the choir teacher and, uh, I will share with you what I wrote. So I encouraged my child to send you this email after she expressed concern about the soloist remaining the same for We Shall Overcome. As I've shared with you in our previous meeting, I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. I share this concern with you as a Black parent and an expert in the field. I understand the soloists were chosen by the guest artists. Unfortunately, the choice was ill-advised and should not be repeated. There is a long history of appropriation in this country. It doesn't make it right. The only method of progress is change. Please change the song for Tuesday. So I wrote that over the weekend and I didn't hear back. And then uh, I just was like, you know what? Let's just see what happens Tuesday. And that was the day that they were gonna be visiting the school. And uh, lo and behold, turns out they sang another song. Woohoo! And I'm sharing this story that sometimes people come to me and they're like, what can I do? I don't know where to begin. And, you know, activism, what you can do individually, is sometimes about bringing a brick, not a cathedral. I facilitate with Second City Works, which is the business arm of Second City, and we work with corporations and we teach them improv skills for professional development. And that's one thing we always say about brainstorming. It's about bringing a brick, not a cathedral, and it holds true as well for activism. Sometimes something as simple as writing from your perspective, your knowledge base, and sharing whatever resources you have to make your point can make a difference. So those are my two tales, one of a microaggression in a pool and the other of a story that could have gone wrong going well. How about that? Please 
Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to Tanya's take. Spread the word, please, about this podcast. I record tomorrow with my friend Scott Duff of Out Chicago. We're going to talk all things drag race and not just the you know episodes themselves, but really about the role it plays in culture. And that will be the February episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.